Hello, mate. Hello, sir. You're going to the headquarters of Gareth Jones on Speed to record the opening sketch of the show, yes? Uh, yeah, that's right, mate. You're the racing driver chap, aren't you? Mike Webber. Uh, it's Mark Webber. Ah, sorry, sorry, Mark Webber. Um, anyway, look, we'll have you there in no time, Mr Webber. Oh, dear. Spoke a bit too soon. I'm afraid the alternator's died. Oh, not again! Hello and welcome to the new slimline Gareth Jones on speed. I was just boasting how I've lost a little bit of weight through swimming and cycling. Richard, how have you lost weight? I am on the dog plan diet. Eating a dog? No, simply buy a reasonably large dog that needs walking. And as I was just saying we turn the machine on I've dropped a gene size cheeky back to the jeans I used to be able to fit into when I was a student I suppose wow well yeah. done no, that's really but it means all the jeans I already own are falling off it's going to be the fashion again in a few years some baggy jeans so you put them in the cupboard they'll come back to you as I've come back to my narrow black trousers you see get top style Zog what's your secret to weight loss worrying a lot and <laughs> drinking too much coffee yeah <laughs> works for me the coffee's good the worry we can do without yeah, that but maybe but uh, you know, you know, four or five strong coffees a day I reckon it's about the sweets. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed next week. We're supposed to talk about Formula One, aren't we? We're supposed to talk about cars. And really, I think you two will join me in a warm, slightly off-mic and quiet round of applause for the success of Sebastian Vettel winning his fourth World Championship. I really applaud that. I think he's done exceptionally well yes we know he's got adrian newey's magic in his back pocket but so's mark webber and all he has is breakdowns well he's been spectacularly unlucky but luck aside and much as i'm a webber fan and boy oh boy am i looking forward to seeing him driving the porsche at le mans next year Mm. much as i'm a webber fan vettel is a better driver and he's done a better job and he thoroughly deserves this year's championship nobody else has put a car on track that can match him, even with guys like Alonso and Hamilton behind the wheel. So, yeah, he deserves it. The Red Bull-Vettel pair is better at doing F1 than anyone else this year. So I can't really begrudge them that. All the booing and things like that. It's sort of Steve Davis syndrome, isn't it? When someone wins something a lot, they immediately get tarred with the boring brush, Mm. unless they're Alex Hurricane Higgins in the snooker world, or, I suppose, James Hunt in F1, and... There's no James Hunt in the modern world apart from maybe Kimi Räikkönen. Kimi Räikkönen. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something a little bit sort of weak-minded. If we're fans of this sport that is supposed to represent technical excellence, in which everybody is striving to do so incredibly well, when they do it that well, to then turn around and go, oh, well, it's boring, I'm going to boo you. They're just doing it properly and better than anybody else. Yeah, I know, it's weird, isn't it? What are they supposed to do, just deliberately be worse? Yeah, and also, well done to Vettel for letting loose a bit when he'd actually won the race. And yeah! Having a little celebration of the donuts and what he said after the race about his feelings about driving the car and how privileged it was he was saying very good things he's a worthy champion did you know that he stayed around to help them pack the garage afterwards did he yeah he actually did that which i'm I'm really impressed yeah he was there pulling down all the stuff he's saying thank you to the team by doing it for real i know he does often stay late at the garage working even if he's just there keeping them company a bit rather than actually doing anything that he's supposed to be doing but somebody in formula one told me ages ago this is often the mark of the blokes who do well and who really want it because they don't go home they're just there and they told me specifically that robert kubitzer Mm. in his day 
was always there till late, poring over data, hassling the engineers. Why is this like this? Can you make this like this? Just complete drive and focus on the task in hand, mm. where some drivers are like, right, well, that's it. I've got to go and open a Honda garage, and then I'm going to bed. And, uh, you see, that's and the, 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 the Polish work ethic you get from Kubica. A bunch of guys doing the house over the road there. They are there, crack of dawn. They don't go home at 3 o'clock. They're there till, like, 6 o'clock. They really work at it. I think they're trying to prove themselves. They're wonderful Poles. But I've got... It just reminded me something I was going to tell you about. I took my old Jeep to get it washed the other day, because there's this little hand car wash around the corner from my house i don't have a hose pipe at home and so i thought it's, it's all a bit grubby and so i treat the car to a wash well, all these Polish blokes come out they swarm around it the boss bloke comes around when they finished is the bleak machine working it is now okay, it is, right, yes, okay. Yes, yes. okay he came around and he, <laughs> i opened the door to pay him and stuff and he went oh your car is the tree and i went tree what tree and he went he's the tree there is a f- tree that hates your car because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he because <laughs> it was covered in, in, in sap, tree sap, yeah. 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 The, the, the bleep tree that <laughs> hates my car. It was brilliant. Oh, you like the Polish yes. people? They're good. Was, also, because when they speak English not very well, they're sort of quite passionate but quite aggressive as well. Like, okay, all right. I won't park it under the tree. I, I, yeah. I'm surprised to hear that Kubica was there late at night working because he just looks like one of those naturally gifted drivers, a bit like Kimmy. Don't fuss me. I just get on with mm, it. Mm. Schumacher was famous for being the last to leave. He had the keys though, isn't it? That was what it was. Yeah, he insisted as part of it. He, he had a really big yeah. chain yeah. on his yeah. belt and just a massive bunch of keys. That's why. But yeah, Vettel's skills. I'm starting to understand what sort of driver Vettel is, and I think we are witnessing a new life form. Sorry, I think we're witnessing the birth of a new type of F1 pilot these days. Schumacher was brilliantly strategic. Ross Brown used to always say that he had spare mental capacity mm. to discuss, hang on, if we pull into the pit lane for the final lap, that means we could f- cross it. You know, he's thinking, how am I going to win? How am I going to win? How am I going to win in that respect? Alan Prost had a similar sort of strategic mind. Think about the greater things. But I think what Vettel does, he has a technical excellence. I was hearing about how he has to drive the car at the moment, where they've got this clever overrun thing, where if you blip the throttle as you approach the corner, not only do you get that through-flow exhausting that blows over the rear mm. wing or the, the rear... This year's uh, version of the blown diffuser. Yeah, yeah, but you get a differential version, left and right, depending on which cylinders, left and right, you can trick into doing this via the mapping. So now you can have extra traction on the wheel that needs it if you ride the throttle mm. cleverly. And Vettel's learned how to do this. Weber does it, but not as consistently. Mm. Every single corner, that, when it's required to do that, Vettel does that. So you've got a man who is an extension of the team, the man who is driving the car in the way this car needs to be driven. And that's probably what makes him great. He's consistent and he doesn't make mistakes. Big fan, I have to say now. No I, grudge of him winning this at all. Consistency, yeah. He's a very consistent driver. You can put in very consistent lap times. He does make mistakes, but he hasn't made as many recently True. as he used to. He's got better, and he was starting from a pretty Do you know what? It just reminds me of something anyway, about so. that's probably what separates world champions from people who are almost or, or not quite, is that application, that talent, of course, but also that always thinking about it. And it just reminded mm. me of a story that I heard Martin Brundle telling on the telly a long time ago, I think, where he retired from a Grand Prix and then... A couple of laps later, while Brundle was still waiting to be picked up to take him out to the pit, Ayrton Senna retired. Same corner, I think. They both just, the cars conked out, I think. 
And then a motorbike arrived. There was only room to take one of them away. Mm. And Brundle was like, no, you go, Ayrton. And he said, no, no, go on, you first. And it wasn't just politeness, because their respective teammates were still out on the track racing each other. And as the motorbike went away, Brundle saw Senna going over to Brundle's car, inspecting the tyres, and then going back to his own car to radio to his pit Uh. to say, well, this is how the car is wearing its tyres relative to ours. And so give them a better picture of how the two remaining drivers on the track... And you think, there's a lot of drivers who've just been thinking, right, Right, start the Learjet, I want to be out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that is what makes world champions. Respect to Vettel for doing it so comprehensively this year. You know, here we are with how many races? We've got still got 25 races left this season. Yeah, it's a big old calendar. Everyone forgot about that, didn't they? Yeah, but he has managed to get in there and win it, much to the chagrin of some of the other drivers. Hamilton... Lewis, we call him Lewis, said that he thought Vettel was one of the all-time greats. I mean, I did he? It. Yeah, he said that today. Yeah, was it definitely great? <laughs> yeah, he didn't say git, did he? No, he didn't say. <laughs> no, no, he did say. Come git. on, Lewis knows he's enough of a champion, enough of a driver. He can credit other people with achievements without under. Yeah, no, without without his own skills. You know what I mean? He's got Absolutely, and I think it's a very big thing to do. And hats off if yeah. he did. But I just think it's very unracing driver like. Yes, and I know yeah. this from my acquaintance with various sort of minor league and unheard of racing drivers. But you could say to any of them, go, oh yeah, I was just watching Lewis Hamilton slash. Alain Prost slash Fangio on the TV and they'd go oh Fangio yeah raced against him in Japan yeah. wipe the floor with yeah, him yeah yeah, yeah they yeah, all yeah, say yeah. that They're incredibly unmagnanimous about yeah. everything yeah, yeah. curiously even Alonso Alonso sorry said something recently about Vettel he was genuinely complimentary but you could just tell there's a butt at the end of the sentence yeah. well, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the few times I've, very yeah. exactly that <laughs> it's one of the few times I've read a tweet and it has to be read through gritted teeth I wonder what Mark Webber <laughs> said about Vettel <laughs> yeah, sure. that his teeth are so gritted they have to have a dentist on call any time they ground away to nothing but, uh, uh, anyway so his pain will be over soon he can go to his poor Porsche and he won't have um, no pain yeah. uh, actually he may have some pain he'll have to beat Neil Yarny hmm. okay well, uh, yeah. my mind is a mark well, I'm not so certain you know well there's no sign of a break in sir did you say this was your factory Mr Braun um well, well sort of it's, uh, it's really Mercedes factory and there's some quite complicated politics with Tato Wolf and Nicky. Let's not get into that now. Um, uh, I do work here, yes. Right, but you don't have a set of keys to get in and turn off the alarm? Uh, no, but I've, uh, I- I've found the keyholder and uh, he's promised he's on his way. And uh, Oh, here he is now. Right, man, it's a problem here. Mm-hmm. It's five o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, Michael. Something seems to have triggered the alarm, you see. Again? Ross, you need to get this looked at. Sorry, sir. This is your key holder. Uh, yes. Seven times Formula One world champion Michael Schumacher looks after the keys for your factory. Um, yes. We we keep looking for someone else, but you see, he's just so consistently reliable. Also, to be honest, I quite enjoy it. You do, don't you, Michael? I'm not normally the pedant of the three of us here. It's like you're the I am never knowingly out-pedanted. And that's something we respect. We need that check, don't we? But it annoys me when people these days say that the electric's off. 
<laughs> it's not. It's not a really old-fashioned. Yeah, so. got to pay the electric. You know, yeah. no, no, you've got to pay for the electricity. The electricity's off. So we talk about electric cars. That's correct. Yeah. Right. If people start saying electricity cars, yes, I've got an electricity car. That's going to annoy me because you know, yin and yang. If they're saying electric for electricity, they're going to start saying electricity for electric, aren't they? But I like the idea of lecky cars. I think that'll do well in the northwest. What car you got? Got a lecky car. Would you drive a lecky car? You wouldn't say that, would you? I'm clearly a southerner. I'm driving an electric car. And like, you would never say lecky. I, I wouldn't get away with. You're it. probably the one most likely to say lecky, Richard, aren't you? Being from the northwest. From the northwest, I suppose. Yeah. Is your thing about electricity like I can't stand the way that people pluralise shops? I'm going down Tesco's. Oh, no, yeah, it's just yeah. Tesco. That's yeah. the name of the company. Sainsbury's oh, different. Yeah. Possessive, that's that they've chosen yeah. to name themselves. Mm, yeah. Mr. Sainsbury's shop. I'm going mm. to Sainsbury's with an apostrophe. That's fine. Are you going to Marx's? Oh. No, I'm just going to Marx's Spencer, which is the name of the shop. There's no S on the end. Similarly, when people are talking about drivers, you hear, well, you know, your Robert Kubitzers and your yeah. Sebastian Vettels <laughs> of this world. How many are there? No, I, what you say, I'm, I'm going to defend that because... What? Because, yeah, because when you say you're Sebastian... Sebastian Vettel, people are speaking figuratively about drivers like Fernando Alonso. So, and so they're said. saying, yeah, and so they're saying, you're Fernando Alonso's, meaning you're very talented Latin drivers, maybe, who look okay, a little yeah. bit like Tashi. You're Baron Sebastian Vettel's, you're four time world champion, so you're As a pedant, I would have thought you would have said, look, when you show me that there is, in fact, more than one Alonso or Vettel, then I'll be happy. But, but there's yeah. clearly a bit metaphorical figure of speech rather than being literal. But not everything we say is literal, not everything we say. Has, Although has almost everything that people the, say these days seems to have the word literally in front of it. It literally does. It literally yeah. shut up. Basically, it, oh no, literally basically it does. Well, no. The new meaning oh, of literally no, is unfortunately no. in the dictionary now. And, uh, I no, know, it, it's, it's just idiotic because it's still... Is there no just, end to this madness? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a superfluous word. Three minutes into this and I want to talk about electric cars. Yes. Because we all play this game what car do I want this week? I'm going to sell my car. I'm going to buy a new car. I've been through an Alfa Brera. I've been through a Mini Clubman. I've been through a Ford Street car. This is, you know. Hey, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not the street car, the sport car. Okay. An old Ford sport car. I nearly bought one yesterday. Did Me. you? Two, a good little car, that. £2,100. Had 46,000 miles on the clock. That'd be great. It doesn't sound bad. Yeah. But I keep coming back to, well, I really should have an electric car because most of the journeys I do these days are down to Hoxton, Shoreditch, so modern, you know, dropping my kids at things that they do there or taking Violet to where she works down there or going off myself. It's inner city driving. If I'm doing a longer journey, well, I've usually got a car on review, I go off on something leggy. So an electric car would really fit my purposes at the moment. And I know, Richard, you've got a theory on this as well. You think that right now, and it's probably a very narrow window, is a good time to have an electric car. I think it is. Explain why. Because no one else has got them. And yet the infrastructure is very rapidly growing to permit them to be more usable. So there are charging points all over the place. And certainly in London now, and I know in the northeast of Newcastle, they've gone nuts for it because Nissan are up there. Yep. They're trying to sell Leafs, which are now made in the Nissan factory in Sunderland. Not leaves. Not leaves. No, because yeah. it's, it's, it's polarising and yeah. up and down, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Anyway, let's yeah, not get bogged down yeah, in yeah, no, <laughs> um, In Birmingham and Manchester and places, they're still they're putting up electric charging points now. Some of these, many of them, give you free parking while you charge up. And the electricity itself is very cheap as well, I gather, on these schemes where you get the card and you swipe it. But better yet... 
And I realised this from arriving in the underground car park at the BBC to go into my office in Top Gear. And one of the chaps from Top Gear magazine had a Nissan Leaf on test. And he was plugging it in to just a plug socket that's in the car park. Mm. It was obviously installed there when it was built so that they could plug in a scrubbing machine or something. Leaf blower. Yeah, yeah. Leaf blower! it's just there. (laughs) Oh, my leaf's blown away. I've seen leaf blowers in this country. I never understand leaf blowers because all you're doing is moving the leaves around. You don't have like a dirt blower at home. How light is this Nissan? You can move it by blowing on it? No, leaves, not leafs. Willful Nissan. Um... So Blake from Oakley was plugging the leaf in because he was a bit low on juice and he said, there's a plug socket. I'm just going to see if I can plug it in. Sure mm. enough, he did because it was a plug socket there. And so he topped up that car with, with BBC juice. electricity. Right. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I'm oh, paying you're, for that. We're all paying for that. <laughs> dear BBC, my license has been <laughs> and, um, But I thought it's things like that. And I think there are still free charging points and top-up points. A supermarket I go to seems to have one and I never see it being used. And mm. I thought, well, hang on a minute. If I had an electric car, go in there for half an hour, do my weekly shop, Having my car charged up on the cut price Waitrose electricity, which I'm sure is extremely good quality and probably organic. <laughs> also, because once everyone's got an electric car, the two spaces they've assigned. There's going to be a queue, but yeah, at the yeah. moment, well, happy times. Uh, uh. Yeah. Zoggy skeptical. But, okay, well, I think you're making a good point, and I think it's likely that as more of us buy electric cars, as there are more of them on the roads, it's going to be harder to find the free. Top oh, it is. Exactly. Yeah, well, this is know, exactly be, you know, my point. There's a lot of this free stuff around. But on the other hand, is now really the time to be buying one when arguably the technology of the cars is still developing? I thought you might say that, because when I say now is the time to buy an electric car, I don't mean now is the time to buy an electric car. What do you, you see, mean? Well, now well, is forgive the me time. for thinking that when you said now yeah. is the time to buy an electric car, it meant this is now is the time to buy an electric car. It's very, very, very nuanced, very nuanced what I said, and maybe you hmm. misunderstood. Yeah. Why does it sound uh, like Seinfeld to me suddenly? <laughs> oh, forgive me for saying understanding. <laughs> yada, 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 <laughs> electric cars. Yeah. What I really meant was now is the time to lease an electric car yeah. because I think electric cars, buying one, would be foolish. The depreciation on the very few they seem to be selling is catastrophic. And just last week, a car supermarket was offering brand new Nissan Leafs for almost half price. Now, that, to me, suggests something is badly wrong. A, people aren't buying them in the first place, even early adopters Mm -hmm. who are being incentivised with all this free electricity that's buzzing around the place. But secondly, when the few people who are buying them and then finding that they're becoming rapidly worth not a lot. So I wouldn't buy an electric car because you're right. The technology is very much in its infancy and it is evolving very, very quickly. And it's going to become not obsolete, but certainly undesirably old tech very quickly. But you can see with this new BMW i3 that yeah. I was banging on about in a show a few weeks ago, they're selling it for, I think, after the government grant, the basic one is 25 grand. But the lease deal on it is, I think it's like £2,000 down and £250 a month, which is mm-hmm. sort of Durable. what you'd pay to have a polo or something. Yeah, yeah. That's a quite heavily subsidised deal, I believe, mm. over, I think, two or three years. If you went for the two-year so deal, the car itself would still work in and of itself. And then mm. at the end of your lease, well, if something else had come up, you know, you're essentially just paying glorified rental. If you're mm. comfortable with that and you have the wherewithal to do yeah. it, which, let's be honest, people who are early adopting this stuff, they probably have another car to depend on. This yeah. is a little bit of a trinket. This is replacing the G-Wiz, which they've mm. put up with to show to mm-hmm. their neighbours in Hampstead or Solihull or somewhere in the sort of the shishier parts of our bigger cities that they care. Now they can have a proper car. It's a BMW but they're not going to land it with an unsaleable bit of old tech. Well, and also there are some business users who actually would go for that 
possibly not if you're doing mega motorway miles, but estate agents and sort of mm. you know, businesses that are doing more local trips could well lease electric vehicles. I think one of the reasons that the Leaf is not selling like hot cakes, there must be a better expression for electric cars than that, at the moment, is its normality. At the moment, the only people you might expect to buy those sort of frontier technology cars are early adopters. Mm. If you are an early adopter, you want to make a statement. You want people to know to about effects. it. Exactly. Like, oh yeah, the BMW i3. Well, exactly. I mean, I it think. looks like the future, doesn't it? I, it's ridiculous, actually. Well, there was an advert on the television. You, you see, that's the thing. I really like it. But funny enough, we saw the advert on the TV and my wife went, oh my God, what's that? And I went, mm. this is an electric car I was talking about. It's brilliant. It's, you know, a really interesting bit of technology. And she went, it looks like a concept car. Mm. Went, exactly. Like that's the genius car. Car. She went, no, it's really weird looking and conspicuous. Uh-huh. It's like, well, yeah, that's, that's it. right. Yeah. If you're yeah. an early adopter, you want to be noticed. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, and I think it's good that people have a choice. If you're an early adopter, if you're going for cutting edge technology, you know, you want to be associated with that, then yeah. BMW is your thing. If you want a really ordinary looking car, then you've got that option as well with something like the Leaf. Mm. And if you want something that just looks really horrible, stupid, and ridiculous, you can get sort of a G Wiz. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. G Wiz are dead now, aren't they? I mean, I yeah. don't even, no one's what, going to touch it? one of those. Well, what? to be fair, I think the people who bought the G Wiz may consider the Twizy. I think people bought the G Wiz because they worked in the West End or they worked in the city. They had no option other than to go in there every day. And if you've got an electric car and you live in London, you avoid the congestion charge. You avoid the Huge charge. Yeah, 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 if you're commuting, yeah. it saves you a fortune. Plus, it was a very cheap car. It sounded like five or six grand. Not even that, I think. Well, yes, but hang well, on. Well, you say cheap car. You know, it's a cheap piece of I'm not defending it. I'm just saying these are reasons. I'm just having a go at the Jeep. It's a quadricycle. It's a quadricycle, exactly. That's it. Like the Twizy. Twizy's a lot cooler. I'm starting to see them around here now as well. A friend of mine was saying that there's lots of cities in Cannes and places in the south of France absolutely packed with them because. Yep. People there have got, oh, it's a pain in the backside to drive into the city centre. Whereas mm-hmm. little thing like that, car, yeah. Yeah. it always struck me that with the G was that there was something interesting in some people's relationship to it, in that I'm quite sure that some people bought it because it looked so horrible and ugly and unlike a car mm. that actually yes. appealed to some of the people. But it was yeah, also was... it was a hair shirt, wasn't it? Yes. Look how uncomfortable yeah. I am yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'm suffering for you people. Yeah. I'm like a sort of Jesus, but one that lives in Highgate. <laughs> I like the Zoe of all the electric cars at the moment. Ah. I think the Leaf looks too much like a bloody refrigerator. I think the i3 looks like it's been designed by two separate departments. Apartments, one in Munich, the other in Stuttgart, and they didn't have a conversation about it. I like the i8, but I think the yeah, i3 looks silly. Nice but the Zoe is actually the cutest of all the little Renaults around at the moment. I still got the sort of second-hand Tesla, I think. I oh, now, do you know, funny enough, I, I, I looked at second-hand grand. Teslas, and there was only one available, and it was yeah. 100 grand, because delivery miles on it. So. But there is a major, major flaw with the Zoe. You cannot plug it into a normal three-pin plug, even in an emergency. It is not set up for that. It's the only electric car I'm aware of at the moment that doesn't have that facility. And that, for me, if you're trying to mooch off some free electricity in an underground car park, Mm. you can't. Damn it. What a massive and idiotic design flaw. Does that mean if I can't buy a Zoe, I'm going to have to buy a Michaela? Are all electric Mm. cars named after children's presenters of the 90s? Well, it is certainly the design flaw is balls, so... Um, excuse me. Ahem. <clears throat> Young man. Excuse me. What? 
When somebody comes into your shop, it's normally considered polite to remove the headphones to your mini-disc player. My what? Now look, I was wondering what you'd give me for this laser-disc machine. Like nothing? Nothing? I beg your pardon. This is cutting-edge technology. No, it ain't. Well, it was when I bought it. Yeah, whatever. Well, how rude. Next you'll be telling me you have no interest in this Sega Dreamcast. No. Or this Game Boy. I don't even know what that is. Right, fine, that's it, we're leaving. Come on, Daphne, back to the leaf. Gareth Jones on speed. I say, I say, I say, what's the difference between the MG3, the MG5 and the MG17? Oh, it's a maths question, isn't it? I'm not Two very good at these. Two and twelve... Uh, I'm just yeah. uh, prime, the, no, no, they're not prime. The MG17 comes with fried rice. Right, okay. Yeah, that's a joke about MG not being a British brand anymore, but actually being a Chinese brand. It's a shame it was never called NG, wasn't it? Nailer Garages who used to make like the MG copies. Do you remember Nailer? They used oh, to do yeah. that. I drove one of them. NG is such a Chinese thing. No wonder they're happy with MG. Oh yeah, we get that. We get that. That's close enough to what we have as a name. You've got an MG now, haven't you? Well, I've today. not got one. I'm driving at the moment the MG3, which is the little super, uh, super mini. Yeah. Yes, it's the swift sized. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's supposed to be a rival for all of those small cars: Fiesta, Polo, 208, whatever. It's actually, I think, a little bit smaller than the norm now, which is no bad thing in itself. Because as we discovered this evening, before you turned up, so Gareth and I went out and had a little look with Gareth's number one son and discovered there's loads of space in it. It's weirdly roomy in the back. I got in the back, which, you know, mm. often I'm driving a car around and there's no time to get in the back because it's moving. And, and you're holding the steering wheel. Exactly. Yeah. There's a number of technical reasons why you can't do that. But we, we stopped, so I sat in the back. In that thing that is a great car journalist cliche, I was comfortably able to fit behind myself. Yeah. It just means you get in the back when you've got the seat set, the way you'd have it to drive. And I was amazed to discover that Gareth and I sat in the back and went, no. Oh, it's actually very good. We can fit in the back. Enough headroom. So you could fit four Richard Porters in that car? You yeah. could. Yeah. Yes. Though what, I suppose... What if we the whole cloning thing? Yeah. But if it was involved in an accident, that would wipe out a substantial number of <laughs> reporters <laughs> in the world. Yeah, yeah. So number one song was very interesting. I quite deliberately asked him when I said, you know, Richard's got an MG outside. He was, oh, yeah, can we, can we look at it? Can we look at it? I said, what mm, okay. does MG mean to you so this is a 13 year old he's the mm. guy who could be buying these cars the next 5 to 10 20 years if he can loan the money off his dad I asked him I said, what does MG mean to you and he said old which is a, what an old man's car no you just they went away didn't they I would imagine that's probably a lot of people's awareness of MG anyone who but really it, it knows an old car brand rather yeah. than a current yeah, car yeah. brand yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, yes he has at least heard of them yes, yes. Now, this sort of brings me to the reason I wanted to talk about this car. I mean, first of all, I think it's actually all right. It's a pretty good little car. It has a lot to like about it. It's very nice to drive, particularly to sort of chuck down a winding road. It's got a really good chassis on it, and the engine's a bit tight-chested. So we showed Honourable Number 1 Jones' son the actual car, and later on he conceded that it was the sort of car that maybe someone who just passed the driving test might buy. 
because yeah. it looks reasonably sort of sporty. You mm-hmm. can have stickers put all over it at the factory if you so choose. Although uh, it's not a terrific looking car to me. It's not. It's you know, not, but also it's not gopping. I think it's sort of got some neat details on it. Overall, it's a bit generic. It looks a bit like sort of last generation Hyundai or something. But, yep. but it's not horrible. You don't look at it and go, oh. It's not horrible. No. From the booth, um, it's a, it's and a it's poncho. It's got some nice it? details on it. The, the alloys on that one, particularly that I've got, are really expensive looking alloys with sort of this dark insert bit and a kind of shiny face and then a kind of real chrome badge on it with a black mm. background that's all textured and you look at it and you go that sort of looks like they've made some effort it's not just got a sort of crudely painted on badge it's, what it's size are the wheels 16 I think. maybe it's just the side of the bodywork it's got quite narrow glass yeah yeah it makes the wheels look small i was looking at it and thinking you yeah, know this mm. is one of those cars that looks quite good on small wheels there aren't many that do but i actually think this does i think they're the right size wheels for that size car to be honest hey did you see that range rover sport road test in auto car a couple of weeks ago and they tested for some reason a car on the smallest wheels you can have on that oh. and it looked great oh really well it sort of looked like it wasn't trying so hard anymore because of course most range rovers and range rover sports are spec on enormous wheels you can yeah. have 22s on yeah. them from Memories, the factory and we're sort of all used to that and the designers like it because they're obsessed with sort of proportion and the wheel is supposed to be half the height of the body and all this sort of stuff but when you just stripped it back down and it sort of calmed it down it's like it didn't look so sort of Footballery and trying too hard. And it mm. just looked like a handsome, mm. honest working car for someone who's got some kids and dogs. And yeah, stuff. I mean, sometimes small wheels look better. I mean, just imagine your old 60s Mini, original Mini. Yeah. That wouldn't look better if you put huge wheels on it. They looked daft towards the end when they did start putting yes. really big fat wheels Actually, on it. That yeah, stupid yeah. sport pack we've talked about on the yeah. show before that killed the top speed. The big arches. But, yeah, awful. The, so, talking about sporting little British cars, MG. We're supposed to be a sporting brand. Is this a sporting car? Is it an S? It's not an RS, is it? Yeah, well, there's, of... there's only one engine and one chassis tune, and then I think there's four trim levels, but they're all broadly just... Stylistic. Just, yeah, it's yeah. just equipment, really. Oh. So it is our car, which is probably one mistake. You know, you look at the Polo range or the Micro range, and there's lots of models and different engines... And they seem to be keeping it simple. I don't think that's bad in itself. The one engine's a 1.5, about 105 horsepower. Like I said, it's a bit tight-chested. It's not, it a, a, bit, yeah. it's not a terrific engine. The gear change is all right, and you can row it along perfectly well. But, but it's probably the weak spot of the car, considering the chassis is genuinely pretty good. And these other things we've mentioned, the dashboard is not exactly sort of fancy textures and finishes. But what's there is all actually quite well done. The MG6, which they've been woefully tarting about and has just sold about seven cars, when you get in that, a lot of the buttons feel wobbly and badly done. Um, and in this, the cheaper car, they're all crisp and neat and everything. There's no bit where you go, oh dear. Oh, well, that, aha, yeah, that's the bit they forgot to finish. It's all very well done. Which brings mm. me to the most amazing thing about this car, is that it's cheap. It's, How cheap? I think it starts at, like, 8.3, and that one I've got outside, which is the top-of-the-range one with all the gubbins on it, it's got mm. digital aircon, it's got Bluetooth with audio streaming and DAB radio and parking sensors and leather seats, stuff like that. And it's under 10 grand. Right, when you said eight three, I thought you meant eight pound thirty. Eight pound thirty is that very entry level, yes, but yeah. it actually has no seats. Ah, oh, yeah. In so, fact, no car at all. Yeah, it's yes. an option to it's buy just a, a suggestion car. of a car. When I saw this car, I think I understood why Richard likes it. It's got 
And I mean this as a compliment. It's got a whiff of MG Montego about it. MG Maestro, MG Metro. You see, I hadn't noticed that until you pointed it out to me, and now I'm worried that subconsciously (laughs) I thought that. The, uh, the writing down the side, those stickers down yeah, the side. Yeah, you see, I don't really like those. I mean, I like them in, in the isolation. Red line I would never spec them. If it was my car, they're just childish mm. and idiotic. But yeah. I could see it's very clever they offer them because some people might like them. Sorry, I'm taking a while to get to my point. There are two points here. First of all, I think the car is cheap. It's not Dacia cheap. Yeah. But it is cheaper than any Fiesta or any other of those small cars that I can think of. Yeah. And that means it drops into a gap in the market that isn't occupied by anybody. Uh-huh. It also makes it seem Since very good Proton value. Since Guy Proton and, yeah, who's yeah. sort of selling zero cars. Or and that's very because they're ghastly. <laughs> yes, well, if we go right back, I don't know, you go sort of probably all the Dacia and things. But yeah. anyway, they're slotting into this gap where they've made it quite cheap. And I think that one of the reasons I suspect they can make it cheap is because it's made in China. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to find out from yeah. MG how much of it is made in China. My suspicion is that the answer is pretty much all of it. And it arrives in a crate, and they just do the final it's a trimming. Basically, flat pack yeah. assembly. Well, you job, say uh, I would like the. You can have different trims on the interior, sort of piano black on the middle bit, or red things around the vents, or silver things around the vents. These final choices you make at the dealer, they bung on at the factory in Longbridge. The stickers they put on, maybe even those nicer alloys they stick on it. But maybe it arrives on steelies. I don't know. I'm still trying to find out. But mm. fundamentally, the nuts and bolts assembly is, to a lesser or a greater degree, done in China. And this is the whole reason I wanted to talk about this car, was I think this is the future. I think, unwittingly or not, MG have stumbled on the way this is going to keep going. Mm -hmm. Using the model that I was saying to you, Zog, earlier this evening, the model that is writ large on the back of every Apple product, it always says, designed in California, made in China. And as long as it says the first bit, people don't mind about the second bit because it helps keep relatively the costs, I suppose, under control. And critically, Apple is very involved with its suppliers and therefore keeps an eye on them and makes sure that they're delivering the quality that Apple needs. And I think you're basically right. It's hard to argue with that proposition. And really, of course, the auto industry is just following the same path that so many other industries have followed in moving manufacturing to China and it takes longer for the auto industry to do it mm. because there's a lot more infrastructure, a much more complicated supply chain, so many other aspects to it compared to clothes, even complex electronics, toys, so many other things. But yeah, they're following the same path that a lot of other industries have trodden and yeah, mm. of course it's going to happen. Well, because when people say, oh, Chinese cars are coming, it'd be like the Japanese when they came and took over Europe or started to move into the market in the 1970s and it won't. I'm convinced of it, it won't. Because nobody in the street can name a single Chinese car company. Mm-hmm. But they can name BMW. And mm-hmm. if you say, where's your X5 made? They'll say, uh, Germany. Mm-hmm. And it's not. They're made in the US. And the same applies to many other cars that we can think of. That as long as the core of the company is still based in the country where people think it's from, and the engineering is done there. Now, MG, people have heard of MG, even if they think it's an old car company. And mm-hmm. the engineering centre... They have one in Birmingham. I think the heavy lifting is done out in China, where they have many more engineers, but the conceptualising and the defining the lead, how the cars should be so engineered. So the lead on the design yeah, and the styling is, is, is done in Birmingham. Yeah. So that's it. They can say it's a British-engineered and styled car, mm. and then it's made mm-hmm. And just, just, who cares? Yeah, I think you hit on it there. I also think that the gap that's been in MG's history actually works in its favour. Yes, cleanse the palate. Yeah, well... Like Doctor Who, if I I may make the analogy. (laughs) Yeah, 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 very good. (laughs) MG is the new Doctor Who. The truth is that I don't think a great deal of older car buyers, and I consider myself amongst them, being in my 50s now, 
probably wouldn't buy an MG because of that resentment. That Well, it used to be British and it's not anymore. They're just trading it. I think there's an extremist to that. People won't do that. But a younger, you know, my son's generation, when they come to buy cars, they kind of know about MG. It's familiar, like you say, it's a trusted brand, but they don't know the full history. As far as they're concerned, they're buying, oh yeah, one of those British cars that we have built in China now. And they probably see it out of ignorance the wrong way around. That's a British car made in China, as opposed to a Chinese car designed in Britain. And I think the former rather than the latter is what you're alluding to and is the future yeah, of how people matter, buy cars. Yeah, it doesn't matter, just go, oh yeah, I've got this car with stickers on it that I like mm. and it costs £9,000 or whatever. And that's sort of the bottom line. In the same way any other consumer durable would be for younger people. Does it look reasonably cool and was it affordable for them? Because young people don't yeah. have as much money as older people. Extrapolate this idea and where do we go? The next generation car will be a Triumph built in North Korea. And I, for one, welcome our North Korean overlords. You've been listening to Richard Porter. Goodbye. The Mighty Zog. Goodbye. And me, Gareth. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! (laughs) Woo! <laughs>